privilege to share the word with you this morning. I want to lead you to Psalm 34 and share a few thoughts with you from this extraordinary document. Psalms 34 by David. It's interesting that the introduction to that psalm in the Bible itself, it says, a psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. It's kind of a, an ominous introduction, no? For a psalm that is really a psalm of extraordinary praise and worship and even joy at liberation received from the Lord. But uh, it has a dark background to it. And that just makes it, in my opinion, even more significant. David... Uh, a man who was experienced, by the way, in suffering, even though he had great victories as well, and the privilege of being a king, and not just any king, but a very um, prosperous and successful king, says, I will bless the Lord <clears throat> at all times, at all times. How many of us have made that determination? I'm going to bless the Lord no matter what. I'm going to bless the Lord in the good times, in the times of trial and testing, in times of uh, illness, in times of uh, peace at home, in times of prosperity financially and good jobs, and in times of general health in the nation or where I live. I'm, whatever it is, I'm going to praise the Lord no matter what. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise <clears throat> shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. <coughs> the humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name. Together. Say that together. Yeah. Amen. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. They who looked to him and were radiant. It would be more appropriate, I think, to say those who looked to him were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man, meaning himself, this poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I hope you came this morning to taste of the Lord. Amen. Taste of his presence, taste of his work in your life, taste of what he does when he moves in our midst. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, he's delicious. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions, they lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man, who is the woman who desires life and loves many days, 
that they may see good. Keep your tongue from evil. This is the answer. You know, if you want, if you want to have those many days, a long life, a blessed life, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. So if you have a broken heart this morning, you're, in, you're, you're privileged. You are blessed because the Lord is right next to you. He's very near to you. And he saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. But the Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Praise the Lord. A beautiful, beautiful psalm of worship. One of my very favorite. It is a, it's a, it's a, a psalm of exuberant, enthusiastic Worship and praise to God. Worship is written all over this psalm. It's a declaration of God's faithfulness. It's an affirmation that God never fails. Those who trust in him, those who love him and fear him and commit their cause to him. God is faithful. God can be depended upon. God can be counted upon when we are in trials and difficulties, to come to our aid if we call out to him. Not only is it a psalm of um, exuberant praise and gratitude to the Lord and just outright worship, I would say it's also a very realistic, it's a realistic psalm. And, and I say realistic because when you, when you read the psalm, it's, it's as if David's praise before it arrives in our ears or in our, at our, in our eyes, it has gone through, a, a, you know, just a meteor uh, shower or some sort of, a, you know, you see in those movies in uh, science fiction, a, a ship trying to go through these meteorites and, you know, these, these uh, obstacles in space. You know, it's, a, it's as if his praise has to go through these um, obstacles of uh, suffering and fear and um, persecution before it arrives uh, as a psalm of worship and praise. It goes through, it has gone through affliction. It has gone through tribulation and anguish. And I, and I believe that that anguish, that, that tribulation has probably purified, purified it. The, the illustration just occurred to me right now. This, this week I was dealing with, uh, I don't know, now in COVID you, you got a little more time to do things. So I've been trying my hand at uh, working in refrigeration. <laughs> and, you know, our, our water dispenser has been out, I think, for years, I'm ashamed to say, in the, refriger in the refrigerator, you know, that water dispenser. And so I, I decided to tackle it this week. And uh, that's dangerous for me. My wife uh, fears whenever I try to undertake, you know, home projects. But anyway, one of the things that I did was to take um, 
the, the, the water filter. That it's at the bottom of the refrigerator, this long tube. And um, it had been for actually many, many months. Uh, it was really way overdue the time that for, for uh, it to be replaced. And I started looking in, you know, in the internet at um, what uh, these um, filters are made up of. You know, it's this tube inside it. It has like a core of um, charcoal, really. That's what it is. It's carbon. It's, it's, and uh, the water comes in through these little tubes into that uh, larger conduit, and it goes through this charcoal. That's all it is, really. That, that big thing is just a sophisticated deposit for charcoal. And the water, it's, it's more than that, of course. It's, you know, it, 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 the idea is that it has to go through this dark material and then go through another tube into the, the water dispenser, and that's, that's the filtered water that you get that's purified. Well, it occurs to me that this is, this is the, the, the kind of uh, image that would um, explain what uh, David's uh, 34 psalm is all about. It has gone through the dark experience of uh, suffering, persecution, um, just the anguish of the soul. But it arrives in our eyes and in our ears as a lovely song of a worship to the Lord that I believe is made more meaningful because of that affliction that it has gone through. And, and you saw the introduction. It says that David um, wrote this psalm at the end of a very dark moment in his life when he was fleeing from Saul, powerful King Saul. David has been anointed to uh, be king of Israel, a young guy. He has experienced great victory when he uh, slays uh, uh, Goliath, great celebrity. But, um, you know, uh, Saul becomes madly jealous of him and persecutes him and tries to kill him many times. And uh, David is forced to flee even before he enters into the kingdom. He's been anointed king. But, uh, you know, sometimes before we enter into the greatness that God has for us, we have to be filtered. We have to go through these dark matters. And uh, David was uh, pummeled by suffering and persecution. Uh, Saul tried to kill him many times. And if you read First uh, Samuel chapters uh, 21 and 22, you'll see the background of this psalm that it alludes to in the beginning, in the introduction. Um, David is fleeing from uh, Saul, and he comes to, first, he comes to a, I don't know if that it was the temple, because it doesn't suggest that it was the, 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 you know, the tabernacle itself, but he comes to a priest in probably some, you know, country, desolate place, and there's this priest. His men are hungry. He asks them for, for food. The only thing that is available is the bread that has been consecrated to the Lord. And uh, the priest makes an exception and gives him some of that bread. An interesting dialogue. You should read, really, First uh, Samuel 21, 22 for your own benefit this week. And, uh, you know, then he leaves from there, but there's a spy in um, the, the temple or the, the tabernacle and uh, David goes into the wilderness and arrives at this uh, area where there's a king there, Ahimelech. And, uh, you know, that king, uh, the, the men become suspicious of David when they recognize him. They know that this guy is a warrior. 
And uh, they, they start whispering all kinds of dark things about David. And David realizes that they are looking at him suspiciously and that they're probably going to kill him as well. And so he's, you know, he pretends that he is mad, that he's gone crazy, and lets saliva just drool, you know, drop down his beard and, and pretends that, that he's crazy just to, you know, uh, sort of turn them off on his uh, pursuit. And uh, the king says, you know, this guy's crazy. We don't need to kill him. We don't need to persecute him. And David flees from there and goes into a cave. And uh, in that cave, he is uh, approached by, it says, uh, men who were desperate, men who were in debt, men who were afflicted, who were um, uh, persecuted themselves. Maybe, who knows, there may have been some, fle- some uh, criminals even fleeing from persecution. But the fact is that David becomes like a magnet for these afflicted lowly individuals as well. And of course, this is why I think David has been very much of a a type of uh, messianic figure as well. There's a lot of things that that, um, connect them to Jesus also. Jesus is also a magnet for affliction and for pain and for suffering. So um, when David is finally free from all that persecution... I can see him, maybe he wrote this when he was back in his palace. But he, he was uh, finally free from all of that suffering. It was not going to be the last time, by the way, that he was going to be persecuted. His own son, Absalom, would persecute him later on as well, toward the end of his reign. But uh, he has the, um, the opportunity to maybe reflect on what has taken place in his life at, the, at that particular episode. And with a huge sense of relief and gratitude to the Lord. How many of us have been in those situations where, we, you know, we felt, I'm going to perish. We have been in times of great affliction, great suffering. And there didn't seem to be a possibility of liberation. And then we find ourselves like, yes, God did it. He did free me from that affliction. And then, you know, there's this desire to just worship God. And to thank him for his liberation. So this is, what, um, this is what Psalm 34 is all about. It is a psalm that is a mixture of relief, deep relief, deep gratitude, deep remembrance of uh, moments of suffering and almost perishing. And of realizing that God did it. God was faithful. He, he, he did what he said he was going to do. and He delivered me from it. And so he comes with this beautiful psalm. I, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This psalm reminds us of uh, the importance of gratitude, being grateful to the Lord. If the Lord has done something in your life, never hesitate. Never omit giving him praise, thanking him, being very deliberate about what he has done in your life, and uh, witness to others about it. Delight in mentioning those moments when God came through for your life, and he did what he has promised that he would do. So it reminds us of gratitude, the importance of gratitude. And you know, gratitude, deep, consuming gratitude should be a distinctive of the Christian life. I always make sure that whether it's a cup of coffee, a humble cup of coffee in the morning when I'm at peace. Monday morning, for example, is a time when I thank the Lord. You know, I went through Sunday. I survived Sunday. I should buy a cup that says that. I survived the Sunday. 
But you know, I'm at home and I'm drinking a cup of coffee and I'm just relaxing and I'm thankful to the Lord for the experiences of Sunday and, and all the things that he did. And, uh, and uh, the, the, these are, there are moments like that in our lives and, and we should uh, memorialize. Never, you know, just consume greedily God's blessings and then you kind of forget about it and you take it for granted. Gratitude should be cultivated. Gratitude should be a, an operating principle of our life and we should, uh, in our prayers, take time to thank the Lord for the small things, the very small things of life. A moment of quiet, health. And even if you lose your health, even if you're going through a time of sickness, well, thank Him that you're alive. Thank Him that there's good medicine to take care of you. Thank Him because He's a restoring God. Thank Him because you have access to the gifts of the Spirit that can heal you. So we, we got to thank Him at all times. We have to be grateful. The Apostle Paul reminds us, that we should always be grateful. It says, and be grateful, says the apostle. You know, gratitude has uh, so many uh, uses, so many benefits. It, it keeps us healthy. It keeps us joyful. It keeps us aware of God's presence and of his faithfulness to us. And, and gratitude has to come from a humble heart. Uh, this is what David says um, you know, later on in, in uh, verse 2, he says, My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. David speaks of the humble. I, I looked up the word in the Hebrew original. It's anev. And anev uh, means uh, the afflicted. It's also translated uh, the meek. In Spanish, actually, instead of humble, it says the meek. Los mansos se alegrarán. Um, it, it can also mean uh, those who are poor in spirit. It, it can also even reflect uh, the idea of uh, being persecuted and being in great fear and great uh, frailness of spirit. Those who are humble, those who are broken, will hear me boast of the Lord and worship Him and praise Him, and they will, their heart will be made glad. They will rejoice in that. You know, people who are unbelieving, uh, people who are very secure in themselves and in their state in life cannot understand uh, the, the praise of the believer, the, the prayer of relief and of thankfulness to the Lord. O only those who, who share a sense of uh, humility before the Lord, a sense of their own brokenness, a sense of their own impotence, a sense of their own uh, unmerited grace that they receive from God. I think only those who are profoundly aware of their humanity, their brokenness. You know, we're, we, we are like uh, rabbits in a forest full of ferocious beasts that want to just eat us up. I, I know many times I'm consumed by this sense of uh, frailty at the dangers of life, all the perils, all the traps that life offers, all the ways that things can go wrong in life. I mean, if you really are um, deeply aware, you, we know that we live in a dangerous world. Not just dangerous in the physical sense of the word, dangerous in the sense of decisions that we can make that, that can go wrong and that can just throw us into a different uh, path. 
the dangers that our children and others uh, face, um, all the temptations and all the different ways that life can just become a mess. And I believe that one of the things that we need to do is to cultivate that sense of brokenness, that, that humility. That's why Jesus, I think, says also, you know, that blessed are the, 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 those who are uh, humble in spirit, those who are broken in spirit. So I think brokenness is something that prepares us. It makes us porous. It makes us penetrable to the grace of God. And I don't think you can be truly grateful to the Lord unless you are aware of how, how broken you or I are and how much we need the grace of God and how many times God has delivered us and blessed us throughout our life. We have to be aware that everything that is good, as the Apostle Paul says, everything that is good, everything that is worthy, everything that is, you know, admirable or, or positive in our life, it comes from Him ultimately. And uh, I think only people who have a humble heart can uh, understand fully what David is talking about. Only people who, have, who are aware that, you know, God is everything and we're nothing can really um, rejoice in hearing that um, prayer of worship that uh, David utters. And I, I like the way David puts it. He says, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. I chose the, the New King James Version because I think it's so much more poetic in, in many of the passages that, that accompany this, this uh, Psalm 34. Uh, it's so deliberate. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. I, I, I'm, two things here I, I find you know, captivating, intriguing. He says, my soul. You know, he's speaking about that deep part of himself, a profound part of him. I think... Praise and worship should involve every, every aspect, every faculty of our being. It should, be, it should come from the deepest part of ourselves. And then, you know, I, I like the way he puts it as a boast in the Lord. I was reminded of the words of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. Paul uh, advises uh, his readers not to boast about themselves. He's aware that anything good that comes from his ministry, uh, only God has made it possible. And he says that we should walk humbly and minister humbly before the Lord. We should never make a boast about the things that we do. And he says uh, in verse 17, but he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. I'm talking again 2 Corinthians 10. He who glories, <clears throat> let him glory in the Lord. That's, that's exactly what it's meant. You know, he who boasts, he who mentions anything good um, that may uh, have a relationship to themselves, you know, make sure that you connect it to God. Make sure that you give God the glory. Make sure that somehow you uh, make it understood that it is only because God intervened on your behalf. For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. Just, just as soldiers uh, sometimes uh, like to recount the stories of their exploits, Christians enjoy telling stories of God's interventions on their behalf. And we have a nice word, a very religious word for testimony. You know, we give our testimony. Uh, a testimony is a kind of boast, I, I would say, but, it, but it's a good one. It's a, it's a, it's a boast about God. Uh, it's a boast that... Uh, uplifts and exalts him and his interventions in our life. 
but in a way, you know, when we, we don't need to be too, too spiritual either. When, when we testify of God's goodness on our behalf and his interventions on our behalf, you know, I, I think in the end we get a little bit of the glory ourselves. I mean, in, in a good way. It accrues to our blessing as well and to our, our, uh, our credit. It shows that God loves us uh, and prefers us. I mean, when you or I um, testify of how many things God has done in our lives, I, I'm reminded of how many times in my life God has shown himself faithful and good and generous. I mean, how many things... And, you know, many times people ask, well, how do, what happened here? What happened there? And, you know, throughout ministry. And I'm, I'm, many times I'm forced, really. I can't, I can't say things that have happened in my ministry, in my life, without boasting about God. And the fact that he, he intervened on my behalf. I mean, that's a blessing to that as well. So in that sense, I think um, David is saying, I will boast in the Lord. And it's fine, you know. It's fine to, to realize that, yes, you know, God has uh, intervened. He has shown his mercy for me, for my family, for my ministry, for my church. That's a good thing. And I think that's what he says. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear of it and uh, be glad. He may have been thinking also of those men who came to him broken and and, uh, afflicted and persecuted and probably having failed in life and having all kinds of um, shameful things uh, in their background. And they joined him, and he himself. I mean, imagine this, this, um, this magnificent warrior that, that David was, courageous and so on, having to feign madness and go around babbling and, and having his beard full of uh, saliva and pretending to be crazy. Uh, it must have been a humbling experience, really. It must have been a humiliating, actually, experience. And uh, so he... You know, he, he thinks about these men. And maybe he was speaking to them because there's a lot of stuff, that many prescriptions that he makes here about behavior and life and righteousness and so on and so forth. He may have shared some of these insights with uh, these men. But uh, I don't want us to lose that idea of boasting in the Lord, of testifying of his goodness, of mentioning the moments when God has intervened on our behalf and making gratitude a distinctive of our life and being generous in our praise of uh, this gracious God that uh, we have. You know, I, I also love, uh, this, besides this idea of uh, boasting in the Lord and worshiping and praising Him continually, um, verse 3, it, uh, I was arrested by this expression, oh, magnify the Lord with me. You know, he's, he, he doesn't leave it just for uh, kind of a lonely um, individual uh, act of uh, worship and praise. He says, hey, Come and join me in my action of praise and worship to the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And here's what really got me. It says, and let us exalt his name together. You know, just as a, as a meal is better with uh, people that you like around you in good company. And, uh, you know, a good meal is a good meal. And, and it'll be delicious by yourself. But uh, isn't it better when you have family or friends to share it with? And I think, you know, praise and worship is like that. It, 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 praise goes better with company. And uh, it says, let us exalt his name together. 
Worship by ourselves is, is great, but it is made so much better when we do it with others. And I believe that God loves for his people to worship him together. And this is one of the reasons why I think it's important that during this time not to keep our churches closed. This has been a guiding force in my way of conducting this whole process of COVID and the lockdown and the closing of churches and so on. I, I have I've wanted to, even a remnant, even a small group of people, even just three or four or ten, whatever, I think it's important for us to, to worship the Lord together. You know, there's something inimitable, something that cannot be substituted by worshiping, worshiping God as a corporate body. And I, I respect those who may see things differently, but um, I, I, I believe that, uh, and, and I, we fought for that. God allowed us the opportunity to inter, you know, intercede before the governor um, early on in this process and ask him to consider churches an essential service, and um, uh, the opportunity for God's people to worship him, to be recognized, and, and the, the need for there to be corporate worship. And I think this is contained there. Let us exalt his name together. I mean, people have been worshiping God in the Judeo-Christian tradition for thousands of years, whether it's in a home, together, or whether it... it but, you know, the, the, the no substitution. The home, yes, because there's togetherness. But also the temple, the tabernacle. And as Christianity developed and unfolded and became more of what it was meant to be, then there were churches and there were temples and places that continued that tradition of the assembly of God's people coming together to worship the Lord. Um, I, I, I think Zoom is great, and I thank the Lord for that. We have used it to great advantage um, you know, these past few months, uh, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful, but um, uh, I think it has its limits as well. If at all possible, we should <clears throat> also use the splendid spaces that God has given us to worship in corporately, and I, and I thank the Lord for those of you who are here um, uh, this morning to worship the Lord corporately. God has called us to be a people of praise, and this idea of worshiping His name Thanking him together is important. You know, I, I always like to accompany this, this uh, point by saying that f I fully understand those who don't feel safe, uh, who have limitations of any sort, and they cannot be here this morning. That's fine. That's fine too. But I think those who can and those who really can't identify an objection, except, and you know, if it is fear, if it is just visceral instinctive fear, I think I, I want to encourage you to examine even that. I mean, if there's no objective reason why you cannot be in the house of the Lord, I invite you to come. The water is fine. You know, I mean, uh, it, we, we have our masks on, which I sometimes I deplore a little bit, I tell you. I, I've had to be dragged, kicking and screaming to use masks. But I understand their usefulness. I understand the need for it. And, and um, you know, I'm willing to humble myself, just like you are. And I, we need to be exemplary. We need to respect certain principles, and that's important too. You know, but if you, 
If you, could, if you can come here and you can sit down wearing your mask and uh, praise the Lord together, I, I think even that affliction, like David's uh, saliva on his beard, I think your, your worship would be even better. It would go through the, the, the purifying carbon core of the mask. And uh, even as you suffer through it, you know, when, when your worship goes through the mask, whatever might remain of it afterwards, it's, it'll be better. So uh, this is fine. We, we, we take advantage of everything, you know. But uh, if you, uh, again, I take the opportunity. If, if there is, uh, I, I guess I, have, I do have a peeve, uh, <laughs> a little thing that, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that many other churches in New England uh, will open their doors. I, I respect my fellow pastors, you know, who want to remain for the rest of the year or whatever. I think there are practical considerations, but I don't know. I, I think it's important. There's no substitution for even a symbolic presence, a representative presence of the church worshiping God um, in a deliberate sort of way. It's a declaration uh, of um, faithfulness to God, and I think God is glorified in that. I'm willing to run a risk if there is, if there may be, you know, but, but uh, just to, to worship God together. I, I saw that this, mor- this morning as I looked at this psalm again, examined it. Let us exalt his name. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. The, ne- the next four verses um, are a manual for those who are going through trial and tribulation. If you're going through a time of testing in your life, it's a, this is a wonderful psalm. To consider in these verses here, they, 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 they talk more specifically about fears and about troubles uh, and, and um, you know, being ashamed and so on and so forth. Uh, the, the, these verses tell us that when we are going through trials and times of fear and persecution, what, what, we, what can we do? What, what should we do? We should seek the Lord. We should not remain wallowing in our pain and our affliction. No, we should look away from us and away from our trouble. We should look to the Lord. We should turn that energy into a pursuit of God's blessing and intervention. We should call out to Him and to Him alone. In other words, we should pray. You know, the, the, the Apostle Paul, uh, I think it's James, says the same thing. You know, is anyone of you uh, afflicted or ill? Well, you know, pray. Pray to the Lord. Call the the elders of the church, come and, and uh, have them pray for you. We need to pray. You know, we need to... It, it, there's no better time to pray and no better antidote to the anxiety and the fear that comes with trials and tribulations than prayer. I, I, have, I have identified prayer. It has a, prayer has what's called a utilitarian value. I mean, yes, you can ask God for things, Give me this, give me that, do this, and so on and so forth. But I think prayer also has just a therapeutic, for me, and I think for many of you, prayer has a therapeutic power of simply allowing me to vent, allowing me to uh, be psychoanalyzed by the Holy Spirit as I, as I submit myself to the talking cure of prayer. <laughs> you know, I, I just pray to the Lord, venting expressing our fears, expressing our impotence, our, our incapacity to deal with a certain situation, describing it in detail, 
and asking the Lord, come, Lord, now intervene. I'm not capable of carrying this load. You take it. And, and feeling the, the relief that comes from that. And I think that's what, that's what you have here in these verses. Um, Psalm 121, another one of those inimitable psalms, says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. In other words, where will my help come from? When, when, I am, uh, when I'm looking for help from somewhere in the distance, where, where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, ultimately. And primarily, the Lord who is powerful enough to make heaven and earth. We have a powerful God on our behalf, and we, we must look to him. We must look to him when we are in those moments of stress. This is why he says, I sought the Lord, verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. And verse 5, they looked to him and were radiant. I would say, they who looked to him were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man, David, when he has saliva drooling down his beard, this poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers him. When we are going through these difficult times, let's not remain wallowing in our pain. Let's not um, uh, become obsessed with whatever it is that we are experiencing. Let's take that energy and uh, re-channel it and send it in the direction of God's throne. I think this is what Paul has in mind when he says, you know, do not be anxious about anything. I would add, do not remain anxious about anything. We are tempted to be anxious when we have difficulties in our lives, when we have an enemy after our hide. You know, but uh, Paul, Paul says, instead of, you know, instead of remaining focused and frozen like a bird by the stare of a serpent, um, you know, uh, instead of that, by all prayers and supplications, you know, address it to the Lord. Send it to the Lord. Transmit it to the Lord. Turn your anxiety into a clamor, into a call for God's uh, intervention, for God's move on your behalf. This is why, you know, that's what we should do when we are uh, in trouble. And this is what he did. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Something happens when, when we look uh, to the Lord in times of stress, when, when we fix our eyes on him, not a, no, not a mere casual look, but a look of desperation. To my mind comes another verse in Scripture where uh, Paul says, you know, to, to um, fix our eyes on Jesus when we're going through difficulties. And uh, the, the uh, idea is to fix your eyes in such a way that there will be no room for anything else except to focus on him so that we might not despair in times of affliction. So it's that fixing, looking to the Lord, see, seeking him. Jesus also says in another passage, in the same manner that the serpent of bronze was raised in the desert so that all those who had been bitten by serpents that God himself sent as a punishment. And then he sent the antidote as well, which is, you know, he had Aaron build this, uh, this uh, serpent of bronze, or Moses. And um, 
And he said, anybody who looks at that serpent of bronze will be healed. And now you can imagine, if you have just a few short seconds to live because you've been bitten by a serpent, and they say, just fix your eyes on, on that object, and you will be healed. Man, I would, I would just, it's like those cartoons where my eyes just go boom, boom, and reach out, and I would glue my eyes to that serpent, make sure that I get a real good look at it. And I think that's what we need to do also when we are in moments of desperation and, and, and of fear. We should make sure that we find that laser-like look on Jesus, on his power, and that we fix our eyes on him, and that we take time to pray ourselves into an awareness of his company and his presence. When we do that, when we look to the Lord and to his countenance, and we fix our eyes on him, you know, something happens. His radiance and his power becomes our radiance. We are relieved. God communicates confidence into our hearts. His power is contagious when, when we come in contact with it through prayer. And I think this is why, you know, he says here, uh, they, looked at, they looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. It's almost like there's an illumination. When, when they looked to God, they were relieved, they were blessed, they were ornamented by the very radiance that emanated from God. They, they got, they caught a little bit of that themselves. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You know, you might, you might even apply that in a sense. You know, where, where, where you have become conscious and aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit, you will experience liberty as well. Part of the problem is that many times we're so conscious and so aware of the forces that are against us and the dangers that we are facing that we don't have any space in our psyche to become aware of the, the presence of the Spirit, which is there as well. It is there. It's just our awareness of it. But this is what, this is what, important, what is important. Verse 18. But we all, <clears throat> with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You remember Moses when he was in, uh, in the mountain? that uh, being so close to the presence of God, I mean, a great intimacy with God, what happened? When he came down, he was not aware of it, but the glory of God was just shining in his face. You know, that's what happens when we draw near enough to the glory of God. We, we become contaminated in the best sense of the word. Contagion takes place. And the glory of God also, in a sense, becomes our own glory. Our faces are... Lightened up, they're they're made freer, and in a sense we're like radiant. Our smile, our sense of liberation, you know. This is this is a uh, when we when we fix our eyes on Him, you know, it's like a contagion effect. We also become radiant, like God. The glory of God is it's truly contagious. We we should be in contact with that glory as much as possible through prayer and praise. That is where you get touched by the radiance and the glory of God. Prayer becomes that conduit for the energy of the Spirit in your life. That's, that's what prayer is all about. So don't forget prayer when you are going through times of difficulty. That prayer is going to connect you 
And that prayer is going to enable you then to emerge victorious and then to be able to worship and praise him for his goodness. Now, verses, the next verses, you know, verses, particularly verses 6 through 11, if you examine them closely, you will find um, references there to fear. And there's an interesting connection that I, I think can be established in, this, uh, in these verses between fear and, um, and deliverance and, and blessing. You know, fear would not seem to be a, a, an ideal conduit for uh, blessing. But, um, you know, it's interesting that I, 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 it, it, it is. In, 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 particularly, you can see this. You can see the connection um, in uh, David's words. Because th- there is almost an invitation in this psalm to acknowledge your fear. Even to, I would say, to cultivate it. To own it. Become deeply aware of it and to just ingest it and let it have its way in you. To let our prayers emerge from that place of acknowledged fear. You know, I think charismatics, we, in our boasting sometimes and our desire to give glory to God, we sometimes tend to deny fear. And we feel that it's dishonoring to God and to ourselves if we admit, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm depressed. I'm doubting God's presence today. I have a difficult situation that seems like a huge mountain that is weighing on me. I have a giant that I cannot defeat by myself, and I am overwhelmed by that. I think that before deliverance comes, before freedom and blessing comes, you have to go to that place. You have to own it, you have to acknowledge it, you have to recognize it, you have to name it, you have to name your fear, and to let your prayer emerge from that place of acknowledged fear. This is what I love about David in the Psalms. I also see it in Paul, in a way. I mean, these these guys, uh, they're real, and they're raw many times, and they, they uh, they let us know that they also have felt all these things, even as they call us to rejoice and to trust in the Lord and not to succumb to fear and so on. They say, yeah, you know, but we've been there. We know what it's, we know what it's about. So I think there is a place, by the way, for you to be honest. Where, where are you? Where am I? What am I experiencing? What am I feeling? Don't, don't flee from it too soon, okay? Because again, like that filter, by going through that, your worship will come much more powerful, much more rich and dense. So, um, you know, in, in these verses, there's a, there's a reality about that. If, uh, he says in, in uh, verse 6, this poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. I think it's made more, more poignant by, by saying this poor man, you know, he could have said, I cried out and the Lord heard me, but all of a sudden he objectifies his feelings and it's almost like he's looking at himself. This, this shell of a man, this ragged uh, doll of uh, pain and, and fear cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. This, this is a weak and an impotent person 
crying out to the Lord. Uh, I think David is living out that moment back when he was almost killed by these suspicious men. Uh, and as he was fleeing from Saul, and he was feeling alone and, and uh, impotent and not, real, not knowing where his uh, help was going to come from. You know, that guy that I so remember, I cried out to the Lord. So, you know, let, let's, let's, uh, let's be aware of our impotence. Let's be aware of our fears. Um, and, and let's cultivate. You know, when, when, when the Lord delivers you from one of those dark periods in your life, you know, take notes. I've, I've asked the Lord many times, don't let me forget. Don't let me forget those moments of suffering and, and of ultimate frailty. I, I, must, re, I must remember them. Don't, don't let me forget. Um, because, you know, those moments, they, they, they will seal us with that sense of gratitude to the Lord. It says, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. It's, it's again, it's a manual of how to, what, what to do. You cry out, you cultivate your fear, you own it, you recognize it. You address him. You don't wallow just in the mere pain. You turn that into energy to go in the direction of the throne of God. And, and, and there's a beautiful statement in verse 7, I think for all of us who find ourselves suffering and in difficulty. It says, the angel of the Lord encamps. It's a very deliberate word. Encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. By the way, do you see that connection again between fear of the Lord and you know, deliverance? Because there's two kinds of fears. There's fear of the situation, fear of your impotence, fear of your frailty, fear of the enemy. There's also a fear of the Lord that's, that's, really, that's also entwined here. That's important to remember. And I want to touch upon that a little bit. But just think of that image of the angel of the Lord, you know. Uh, it says that the, the, very, the very angel, who was the angel of the Lord? You'll see him in, in many places uh, in the Old Testament particularly. It was a, almost like a projection, a hologram of God himself. That some people believe it was a, like a, an expression of God. You know, he... he, he condensed himself into this angel. Some people believe that it was a, you know, a prefiguration of Jesus himself. But it, it was not just any angel. It was an, uh, a condensation of God's very presence and energy. And he says that is the being that encaps. In other words, he, he becomes a, a, a one being army on your behalf. And camping with a purpose, settling down next to you to accompany you through your time of pain and difficulty. Because I, I think sometimes, you know, we, we may go through days and months even of pain and difficulty. And uh, we need the Lord to encamp, you know, settle, set his tent and say, I'm not going to leave. Don't worry. I'm not going to leave you until you're through with this. Don't, don't uh, despair also if it takes a little bit of time to go through whatever it is, a time of a period of disease, this, this, this time that we are experiencing now, COVID. Yeah, as, uh, um, as, as was said uh, earlier about uh, this is not forever. Anita pointed that out, you know, but it, it may take time. That's all right. The, the, the Lord, the angel of the Lord is encamping around us. Don't despair. 
He's there. He settled for the long run, and he's, he's, a, he's a powerful presence on your behalf. Sometimes we think that when we are going through pain and difficulty, God has left us. You know, we're like the, we're like the, the disciples in, in the storm. Jesus is there. He's walking, manifesting his power on our, on our behalf. He's walking toward us to enter our boat, and we think it's a ghost. We think it's some sort of, uh, you know, dark manifestation. No, it's the Lord himself. He's, he's there. He's coming. On. He's on his way. He will, he will, the, the, the storm is lasting longer than you wanted to, just like the disciples in the boat. That's okay. The, the angel of the Lord, the presence of the Lord is there. Don't, don't think that just because you're going through difficulty, somehow you have sinned or, or God has left you or whatever. Yes, examine yourself. That's, it's good to do that. But do it without obsessiveness. Do it without um, paranoia. If you can get something out of the experience, good, learn. If God is teaching you a lesson and, and improving you and pruning you, beautiful. But he's with you. He's there. He has not left you. You know, the angel of the Lord is encamping all around. If you fear God, if you love him, then that's okay. First Peter chapter 4. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering so that when his glory is revealed, when you finally get to that moment of relief, you may also be glad with exceeding joy because you've gone through the pain. You've gone through the darkness. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. You know, there's no moment, I believe, when God's presence rests more fully upon a believer than when they're going through pain and difficulty. God's angels are all around. God's glory. And God is there. The Holy Spirit, your encourager, is there saying, continue. Don't give up. Stay until you finish the race. When we, are, when we go through the, those anxious times, when we are feeling fearful and anxious, we, we should fight with all our strength and pray until we regain that sense of God's presence and advocacy on our behalf. Because the first thing that goes when we're going through difficulty is a sense of, again, God's company, that angel of God encamping around us. The first thing that we're tempted to just, you know, lose sight of and, and to focus on, on the, on the, uh, the uh, emergency, on the difficulty. And I think part of, uh, <clears throat> part of the task in um, seeking relief in those moments is fighting to regain, just regain the sense of the presence of God. Not even to say, God, you know, get me out of this, send angels on my behalf. Just fight to regain, you know, just, just the sense of uh, God's presence, which is there. But you have lost it. I mean, a cloud has come over the sun and you can't see the sun. It's a little dark, but the sun is there. Find, find that space, you know, where you are aware of God's presence. You know, I have to tell you that the, the reason why I'm preaching about this psalm, and I finish with this. The, the, the reason why I'm preaching about this psalm is because Saturday morning, I was sitting in, in uh, the uh, back, uh, our backyard, little garden. I was having a cup of coffee. I had just gotten up. And I was sitting there. And I was, I was feeling, I have to tell you, I was feeling anxious. I was feeling that there was a particular situation that I was uh, considering. And um, I was feeling, uh, it may have been a partially a demonic attack. 
I've dealt with that presence before, but I was uh, feeling besieged spiritually and uh, emotionally. And all kinds of dark thoughts were going through my mind and my spirit. And, um, you know, I, I, was, I was wrestling with that dark cloud in my being. And, um, and you know, I, as I started praying against that, at one moment I told the Lord, Father, I'm not going to get up from this chair until I, until this feeling of oppression has lifted from me. I will not desist from my prayer until I feel your presence, until I feel your company and uh, your support on my behalf. And I stayed there. I, I, I worshiped, I prayed, I rebuked. These are all the things that you need to do when you're going through those moments. And I just stood there and I committed to regaining that sense of the presence of the Lord. And it came. You know, I cannot tell you the relief that I felt when the presence of God just, uh, you know, made itself manifest once more in my heart. I, I experienced finally the sense of liberation that I needed. And my heart was radiant afterwards. Yes. Because that's what you feel when you go through these, these moments of darkness. But you know, that, that's why it's important to um, fight for the, the sense of the presence of God in your life. Because if, you have, if His presence is there, then there's no other nutrient really that is necessary. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is present, I mean, what demon can really stand too long in God's presence? So really the, the key is that, you know, become aware of God's presence. It's as simple as that because God's light and radiance will dispel any darkness around you. So become aware of the radiance. Become aware of the Shekinah glory of God. That is where the, the, the key to the battle lies. So this psalm, you know, it, it came to my mind after, and that's why it's so good also to have scripture, you know, floating around uh, um, or moving inside you. Because the, the words of that psalm came to me. I, I didn't have the full connection that I have now as I uh, analyze it with you. But uh, there was something about the psalm that came to my mind about my experience at that moment. I'm still, I'm still blessed, being blessed by it. I'm still eating of that bread, that warm bread that God gave me yesterday morning. And I thought, you know, I'm going to share it with the congregation um, this morning. It, it is... Uh, these, these moments of worship uh, born out of that travailing are precious. And, and that psalm, I don't know what it was really, but it's just, you know, this, this idea of a man delivered and liberated and experiencing relief um, that um, brought, it brought that psalm to my mind. I want to share with you. There, there's so much more to this rich, very human spiritual document that is Psalm 34 but um, I want to commend it to you this week you know read it and uh, examine it even deeper and uh, think about it meditate on it Psalm 34 to make it an object of meditation make it a foundation for meditation this week so take a moment take a moment and go deep into yourself is there, is there something that is um, bothering you and I address my brothers and sisters at home as well 
wherever they might be outside of uh, New England or even uh, the United States wherever you are take this moment to go deep into yourself is there something that's really afflicting you are you going through a time of testing and trial like David do you feel that you don't have what it takes to emerge from this time of uh, trial you're in a good place it's not a pleasant place but it's a good place because that's where God loves to come in if you are feeling uncertain insecure besieged uh, overwhelmed incapable that's where God wants you and me right and uh, join the company of David come be one of those afflicted men or women that joined him in the cave all right and and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit telling you I'm, I'm encamping around you don't worry I'm with you you will not drown you will not be overcome I am purifying you I'm preparing a new level of worship for you I'm preparing a prayer of praise I'm taking you through that dark material so that your prayer it will not be contaminated with darkness it will actually be clear and pure and clean at the end of it all the Lord does that many times his instruments are strange his instruments are dark many times his instruments do not feel safe sometimes they're even sharp but they're good and, and they produce some amazing people some amazing saints and some amazing prayers of worship so this morning I want to own my fear I want to own my fallenness I want to own my brokenness I want to own my need and you want to do that and say Lord use it this broken space these crevices that are, have opened inside of me fill it with your filling material to make it stronger make my life stronger come Holy Spirit we declare life on your people. Lord, we declare radiance breaking through those, those cracks. And we see your glory shining. We see your glory shining through the brokenness of the church in this time. We see your glory shining through my marriage. I see your glory shining through my brokenness because it, it accrues to your glory. And to the fact that we are all absolutely needy of you and your grace. And Father, we will emerge like David with a song of praise on our lips. Satan will not have his way. But your glory will be more manifest. Your, your, your blessing, your life will be more manifest. This morning, we thank you because we are part of this mysterious way that you deal in the universe. We thank you for the cross, which manifests itself in me, in our life, many times. We thank you because we are completing the, the sufferings of Jesus Christ himself. We thank you because you are fusing those broken bones into something stronger than ever. Through the, the fiery furnace of trial. And you will not let us perish. I bless your people, wherever they might be right now. And may these words be a healing balm in their hearts. We shall not perish, but we shall live. We shall thrive. We shall be better vessels for your glory. 
that we shall be more capable of being used to heal others. Thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the sufferings. Thank you for the brokenness. Thank you for the disqualifying elements in our life. More glory for you, Father. This morning we worship you and we thank you. Thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Receive the presence of God right now. Receive the healing touch of God in your life. Receive the good intentions of your Father. His intentions are good for you. His plans are good for you. Okay? Receive it. Actively. Ingest it. Welcome it. Cultivate it. God is pleased with you. And He will not abandon you. His presence is with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen.